Motorola has a brand new phone called the Moto Edge 2021, and co-producer Cliff, being the Cliff that he is, bought it, and he's been testing it out, and he's ready to share some thoughts. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we're taking a look at the Moto Edge 2021, which somehow lacks, you know, an edge. Cliff Thomas bought the phone on its release date, and he's been using it ever since. Fun fact, a lot of outlets haven't reviewed this phone yet, so we are strangely among the first. So that's fun. Plus, this week saw prominent leaker John Prosser release a look at the upcoming iPhone. What's that? No, not the iPhone 13 coming next week. Rather, he put together some renders of what he thinks the iPhone 14 coming in 2022 will look like. And I have some thoughts on that matter as well, and I'm going to share them with you, and we will get to all of that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. Let's start off by talking about Motorola, since, you know, we're not going to do a ton of that in the back half of this show. This week, Motorola's Weibo account showed off the air charging it's been working on, including charging the phone from up to two meters away and two phones that are spaced 100 degrees apart from the middle of this module. The charging won't be particularly fast, roughly around 5 watt speeds, but whatever, you're doing it from 6 feet away, bro. But there's one part of the article that I want to harp on you know, because I'm me, for just a second. Because according to Motorola, the charging station has 1,600 antennas and can pass through paper and other obstructions and, and this is the part that bothers me, is able to pause charging when a human body is detected. Now, that opens just a whole big bag full of questions like... Why? Like, what is this thing doing and will I have to repaint my living room every 30 days? How will it know when to stop charging? Because if it's anything like Lenovo's human presence detection, it's pretty good, but it's not perfect. And after one of those imperfect times, am I going to need an MRI? What about non-human bodies? Is this thing going to deep fry Sparky? What about the hand that's holding the phone while it's charging? There are a lot of unanswered questions here, Motorola. And these questions probably should be answered before you release a video on a Chinese social network. Just saying. You may recall our Lenovo Duet review from last year. Well, Lenovo is launching an all-new Duet called the Duet 2. No, wait, no. Actually, that would have made sense. The Duet 5, for some reason. The new Duet 5 has a 13.3-inch OLED screen and runs on a Snapdragon silicon rather than a MediaTek processor like last year's. The new Snapdragon is the Snapdragon 7C Gen 2 and will sport 8GB of RAM and up to 256GB of storage. The new Duet starts at $430, which... Kind of seems oddly specific, but, you know, you do you, Lenovo. That price will include the kickstand and keyboard, just like the OG tablet, but it may not include the pen. That's a little fuzzy at the moment. Personally, I'm excited about a new Duet. I loved the original Duet for as long as I had it. Cliff has been playing with it for the past few months, which is not making me jealous at all. Reviews of other devices running the Snapdragon 7C have been kind of eh, but then again, so was the original Duet with MediaTek Silicon, so... 
I guess that's a push. The price is higher than would normally get me excited. Like, a $250 duet was amazing. At $430, well, there's a lot of competition from the Chromebook and, to be frank, the iPad space as well. So, we'll see how this works out for them, and I personally hope to get my hands on a Duet 5 for review. So, Lenovo, call me. Did I mention that this week was Lenovo Tech World? Because this week was Lenovo Tech World, and Lenovo brought a lot of products to the table. More laptops, of course, and a few monitors, wireless earbuds even. I'm focusing more on the mobile stuff, which leads me to the Lenovo Tab P12 Pro. This is basically an iPad Pro competitor that starts at $609, and if you can imagine spending $609 on an Android tablet, well, welcome to the 21st century, and I'm glad you pulled out of that coma. For the princely sum of $609, you'll get a Snapdragon 870 processor, 10,000 milliamp hour battery, 6 gigabytes of RAM, and 128 gigabytes of storage. There's a fingerprint reader, front-facing camera, and a time-of-flight sensor, presumably for Face ID, you know, or the Android equivalent of that, and it chips with Android 11, which is significant for a reason that I will talk about in the next story. I've been working with the Lenovo Yoga Tab 13 for a while now, and there are some similarities there. I'm honestly not sure where this tablet exists in the space, though, except for the, you know, too expensive for an Android tablet space. Could this be a great iPad Pro competitor? Maybe. I have a good relationship with Lenovo, so it's possible I may be able to find out for myself, but in the meantime, I'm having a hard time justifying $600 for any Android tablet. In the last story, I talked about the Lenovo P12 Pro and the fact that it came with Android 11, and that was significant because the tablet, and indeed all Lenovo tablets that run Android 11, will also run Project Unity this October. Project Unity for Lenovo tablets is similar to that Space Desk app I told you about a couple weeks ago when I wrote about it on Android Central. Basically, it allows you to use your Lenovo tablet as a second screen with your Lenovo laptop. Now, there are some caveats here. Your computer and tablet need to both be Lenovo, and that's absolutely not a problem for me, obviously. And thank you, Lenovo. What's interesting, though, is that during the announcement, Lenovo never even mentioned the Yoga Tab 13, which not not only has Android 11 on it, but also doubles as a second screen with the HDMI cable. Project Unity is wireless, by the way, so it's a little bit cooler than that. I'll be interested to see if and how Project Unity works on the Yoga 13 tablet, and whether it works better with the cable or without it. If there's one reason why I love Lenovo, it's because the folks there know how to do fun things with devices, and this is one of them, and I hope eventually they'll open it up to every device. That would be awesome. Moving away from Lenovo devices, the European Union wants to standardize five years of security updates on smart devices. You know, like what Apple already does. But Germany is saying, Yeah, no, I don't think that's long enough. We want you to offer seven years of updates, yeah? And just, holy crap, dude. Apple already sets a pretty high bar. Samsung also does this with the promised three OS upgrades and four years of security updates, so seven years is a bit on the insane side, and it's not even Oktoberfest yet, so I'm not sure where this is coming from. Of course, it would be great if companies offered that much support to their phones, and trust me, as someone who's already switched phones a dozen times this year, 
I can't even process what it would be like to use the same phone for seven months, let alone seven years. That being said, in the aftermarket, I could see there's something there. Like, imagine if you could buy a phone and sell it two years later, and then that reseller could swap in a new battery and sell it again. And by the way, Germany also wants OEMs to offer parts at a reasonable price, and, you know, by parts, they probably mean batteries and screens. Now, whether or not the EU resolution of five years or the German goal of seven years will ever pass remains a mystery, but it's interesting to think about. Just imagine being the poor bastard who has held onto their Samsung Galaxy A52 for seven years and you find out you're getting your last security update. I honestly can't say I'd feel terribly sorry for you at that point, but still, it would kind of suck. An Australian High Court, which I'm guessing is like Supreme Court and not High 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 Court, ruled this week that publishers who post content on their social media pages will be 100% responsible for the comments that get published under those stories. Okay, maybe they are high. So, let's say the Sydney Gazette publishes a story, any story, on their Facebook page and someone else posts, Mark Zuckerberg screws goats, I have proof. In theory, Mark Zuckerberg could sue the Sydney Gazette for defamation of character. That would be a hard case to prove, though, since it's Mark Zuckerberg and he's already pretty well defamed already. So what does this mean? Well, first, if you're in Australia, don't publish stories on your Facebook page or at least turn comments off. Because the thing is, I'm not sure how everything works, but if you post a story on the Sydney Gazette and someone in America comments... Are they liable for that comment too? I would have to think they are, so if I were a news publisher in Australia, the first thing I'd do is, you know, move my headquarters to New Zealand. Honestly, that should do the trick, but I'm not a lawyer, let alone an Australian lawyer, so what do I know? Oh, what I do know is that this law is crap and stupid and really Australia, what are you thinking? This is a law that comes out of Texas, not Australia, so seriously Australia, what are you thinking? Speaking of lawsuits, Apple and Epic's lawsuit came to a sort of close this week, and I say sort of because this is the American legal system we're talking about, so you know, there's going to be an appeal, or three, or four, but mostly the courts agreed with Apple that it's not a monopoly, and most of what it does is just fine, except they are a monopoly, and it's not fine, but we're just going to move on from that. The one point Epic won was that the court said that Apple must allow apps to point to an alternate payment system like Epic Games' website and, you know, Netflix's website where you can sign up and stuff like that. Apple was quick to point out that they're not a monopoly, even though they really are. Epic was quick to point out that it's going to hold its breath until the court changes its mind. And, of course, Epic will appeal. What Epic doesn't realize, though, is that the Supreme Court is far too busy criminalizing abortion to worry about how many billions of dollars Apple is going to make next quarter. Adding insult to injury, the judge also ruled that Epic would have to pay Apple $3.5 million for the time that Epic bypassed Apple's payment system in breach of contract. It remains to be seen what the real fallout here will be. Will Epic be allowed back into the App Store? Will Epic resubmit Fortnite in the first place? Will Apple renew Epic's developer license when the injunction goes into effect on December 9th? Now, that's the interesting question. But there's still a lot of drama to come here, so we'll pay attention to it. Yay. I'm going to follow it, so you won't have to. This week saw the unveiling of two lines of Amazon TVs, not like streaming sticks, 
actual Amazon-branded TVs running Amazon's Fire OS on them. The high-end series is called the Omni Series and starts at $410 and goes up from there. The lower end is called the Amazon TV 4 Series, which is not confusing at all, because, you know, there's a 4 in there, you see. Anyway, the main difference between the two, other than the price, seems to be in bezel size and the ability to talk to the TV without a remote. You can do that on the Omni Series, but not on the Fire TV Series, which is, again, kind of ironic. One interesting thing about the Omni series is that it can scan your home, and if you have Echo devices, you can use them as surround sound speakers, which sounds good until you connect five Echo dots to your family room, and every time you talk to the TV, you get five Amazon devices yelling back at you. The thing is, personally, I've had smart TVs, and I've had TVs where I added a dongle, and the main difference is that with the dongle, you can upgrade when that stick starts to suck. Call me a stickler, but I'd rather buy a new $50 streaming stick than a $300 TV. I'm not sure this is a space where Amazon really needed to go, but here they are with their own TVs. And a giant space stick. I guess that's nice, but I'll probably still stick with a streaming stick because I'm cheap. And that's how I work. Arguably, the most disappointing news of the week and... Possibly the most disappointing news of the year came from TCL and the announcement that it was scrapping its foldable. And this is the part that really stings. The foldable was called the Chicago. Now, you'll remember earlier this year, TCL announced that it would release a foldable phone this year. Well, whoopsie doodle, never mind, yeah. And wouldn't it be awesome if TCL was a German company? Anyway, the foldable was a Samsung Flip clone with a few, you know, rough edges and incomplete software. And they were seeded out to a few outlets, including friend of the show, Michael Fisher. And this explains why Michael was so cagey when we talked about how no more foldables would be coming this year. And I brought up TCL, huh? Oh, damn it. Anyway, this thing was called the Chicago, people. Come on, it's the Chicago. The headline writes itself. Anyway, I'm not mad. Probably. No, I'm not mad, but still. Okay, now we can't and shouldn't close the door on another TCL foldable sometime in the future. And here's the juicy part. One of the reasons the phone got shut down was that it wasn't as cheap as TCL wanted it to be. So right now TCL is looking at foldables and saying, $800? Screw that. That's way too pricey. We can do better. So yes, TCL. Yes, queen. Please do better. I'm legit excited to see how TCL can do that better, and we'll find out someday. It just won't be someday in 2021, as it turns out. So I'm both happy and a little sad. And finally, this week saw Star Trek Day, which is apparently a thing, because Paramount used the excuse of Star Trek Day to make a slew of announcements about upcoming shows, including Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Lower Decks and Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, and I'll tell you about the ones that I give a crap about. First of all, we got a release date for Star Trek Discovery Season 4. That is coming on November 18th, just in time for Thanksgiving weekend, so that's fun. Season 4 will be the first season with Michael Burnham as the captain of the Starship Discovery and still stuck a thousand years into the future. Star Trek Strange New Worlds has a cast announcement, which I guess is a thing, in addition to Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck reprising their roles as Captain Pike, Number 1, and Spock, respectively. We also got recasts of Uhura, Nurse Chapel, and others. Now, 
If I gave even the slightest crap about the original series of Star Trek, this would be really exciting to me. As it happens, I did like Captain Pike in Season 2 of Discovery, so I'm into this new show, but I'm not overly concerned about the recast and whatnot. There's no release date for Strange New Worlds yet, either. But Star Trek Picard got a new trailer in which Picard and company are going all back to the future and stealing the almanac from young Biff so old Biff doesn't turn the Federation into the Nazis. And if none of that makes sense to you, first of all, you really need to catch up on your pop culture and history references. And second, I know it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Regardless, it's going to have Q and that will make it awesome, so I'm into it. That is coming in February, and by the way, Star Trek Picard also has already been renewed for a third season, and hopefully that one will feature Q as well, except it totally won't, because, you know, it just won't. But I really hope that season two does the Q storyline justice. Regardless of all of that, I'm excited, so let's frickin' go, or maybe I should say, make it so. I debated making this next story a part of the news or not, and ultimately decided not to because it's 100% based on rumor, so I don't really consider it news. But even more so, there's a lot here, so this will likely turn out to be a much longer story. John Prosser, the creator of Front Page Tech, Leaker Extraordinaire, and Poor Bastard who apparently can't afford a second light to light up both sides of his face, released a new video this week detailing the iPhone 14 in great amounts of detail. The highlights are basically no notch and a punch hole instead, no camera bump at all, lightning connector, round buttons, a titanium band around the glass sandwich perimeter, and that's about it. Now, when this video dropped, I watched the entire thing and came away with one gut feeling, actually two. The first is that John Prosser has no regard for women whatsoever. And the second was that this is all yeah, not really gonna happen. And I'm gonna get to why in a second, but just to double check myself, I went to Renee Ritchie, who published his own reaction video, and he wasn't as definitively negative as I am, but he also cast some dispersions on the ideas contained in Prosser's video. Now, before we get started, I need to disclose that I do not have the contacts that John Prosser has. I have nothing to base this opinion on except... Well, that's my opinion, and my familiarity with Apple over the last 10 years. So take from that what you will, but here's my take on the whole thing. Prosser's list of iPhone 14 features really just kind of feels like a fanboy's wish list for things they would like to see the iPhone 14 have, not anything based on any kind of analysis. Now, some others have backed up Prosser in these predictions. Analysts such as Mark Gurman or Kuoming Chi have separately backed up stuff like the titanium build and even the punch hole camera. But here's where I kind of sit on the whole thing, and we're going to start with the punch hole camera. The notch at the top of the iPhone has been a huge source of contention among the Android crowd. Every time someone points a ha-ha finger at the gigantic notch at the top of the iPhone, they inevitably have some kind of Android phone in their pocket. Notches don't look good, and people do hate them, but Apple still manages to sell millions upon millions of smartphones every year. Clearly, the people buying Apple phones 
don't care about the notches. Now, that being said, Prosser says that Apple will move all the sensors needed for Face ID behind the screen and leave only the camera exposed in a punch hole because, as this year has shown, under-display cameras still kind of suck a lot. Either they're not hidden very well and you can see where they are, or they're hidden very well and photos look like crap. So Apple will break its camera down to a punch hole and put the rest of the sensors underneath the screen. But here's the thing. People still don't like the punch hole. If people like the punch hole, then we wouldn't see underscreen camera tech at all. Once again, though, we're talking about Android people, not iOS people. Even if iOS people don't like the notch, is the punch hole that much better? I'd argue not. You still have an interrupted screen, so really, What's the difference? Just a little bit more screen to love? Sure, but like the notch, the punch hole is a half measure designed to get you more screen than the other guys. Apple doesn't care about that. They've never cared about that. Apple will keep making the notch until they don't have to interrupt the screen at all. Then and only then will Apple move to a different face ID and selfie technology. Put simply, Apple doesn't really compromise, and punch holes are a compromise. So let's talk about the camera bump. Will Apple flatten out the back of the phone with a thicker battery? No. Renee actually points out some good reasons why, so I'm just going to go ahead and play a clip here. Maybe Apple's come up with some hybrid assembly, or they're leaning even less on big camera and more on big compute, or they're just going to use that glass sandwich combined with the titanium band to sit on top and pave up and around the camera bump because the problem with just making the iPhone thicker and filling it up with more battery, which is the most frequent uninformed hot take in tech, is that battery isn't frosting. It's not yummy and delicious. It is problematic. It blocks radio waves, it keeps in heat, and it's heavy. And there's a limit on just how heavy mainstream customers are willing to go for their phones for extended reading and watching and gaming and doom scrolling, especially for a phone with the market size of the iPhone, even the Pro. So aside from the fact that I felt a little attacked during that clip, Renee is right. And that slowly started to dawn on me earlier this year, as a matter of fact. Folks, if it was that easy to just toss in a bigger battery and get rid of the camera bump, trust me, someone would have done it by now. The problem is, batteries are heavy and hot. It's not just a, like a bag of electric juice that you can shove in there to fill up the cracks. So Apple doesn't have the magic bullet that everyone else is missing. Again, that's not how Apple apples. Now, the rest of the leaks include a lightning port, round buttons on the side, titanium strip around the glass sandwich. All of that is fairly... whatever. I really don't care what Apple does here because... That's mostly cosmetic stuff, but the notch and the camera bump are the two parts of this that just smacked as all different kinds of wrong. And I felt strongly about it, so that's why I wanted to talk about it. The thing is, though, even if all that stuff is dead on balls accurate, it's an industry term, there's still a year to go before we'll see any of it. And realistically, there's eight months before designs are finalized and start to get produced so any of this can change. In fact, it's likely that the designs of today will change in some ways over the next year. Is it possible that Prosser is right? Sure. I have absolutely no proof that says he's wrong. But this series of rumors just felt so fanboyish, I wanted to share my hot take on it because it's news 
And that's what I do here. But what I don't do is report on rumors. And here I am dedicating, what, five minutes of my show to rumors? And yes, folks, that's my way of saying I have spent way too much time and thought on this. So it's time to move on with the rest of the show. The Moto Edge 2021 is one of the more generic sounding phone names out there, but we're going to run with it because it is Moto. And Cliff, being the Cliff he is, actually bought the phone and has not returned it yet. So we're going to give him the opportunity to review it here on the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Cliff, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. This is an interesting time to record. I haven't recorded in the morning and I don't know ever. I know, seriously, it's 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 a little weird. And you know what's also funny is the difference in your voice from a time that we were BSing off the air to the time like you you put on your you put on your announcer's voice, and I, I it was a very distinct change. Unlike normally, I think it's because it's so early. But anyway, so Cliff, you went ahead and bought the Moto Twenty Twenty One because you have self control issues, <laughs> and we decided we were going to go ahead and take advantage of that and do a review of the. I, I, I kind of sort of informal review of the Moto 2021 because you have it and we may as well get something out of it before you end up actually returning it. So I just want to go ahead and kind of walk through what we would normally cover in a formal, you know, air quotes, formal review, as if anything I do is ever formal. But we're going to go ahead and just walk through like what we would normally do on a, on a, on a formal review and let you talk about the phone. So let's start off where I always start off with the hardware. How's that phone there, Cliff? How's the build? This is an interesting phone. And, and what I mean by that, because I think everything that I'm going to be talking about today is going to be prefaced by the positioning that Motorola has has placed this phone in, right? Because okay. the, this phone starts at $699, although it is currently on sale. Um, I think, I, I don't remember, in, what, I think it's September 22nd, but that might just be a random date in my head that I have that where the where it goes. Right, so right now it's on sale for $499, and at some point that pricing will, will ostensibly go up to $699. So with for about that, a week and a half before it goes back down to four ninety nine, right? Because that's how right, Moto exactly. Moto's. That is how <laughs> that is how Motorola rolls for sure. Uh, so yes, the hardware it's it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's the thing it's it's uh it's a it's a big phone six point seven inches. Um, and okay, so that's uh, that's S twenty one Ultra correct. territory. Although okay. it is very light, and the reason that it is very light, um, or at least some of the reason that it is very light, is because this baby's all made of plastic. Even the mid-rail okay. uh, is made of plastic. And what was really funny about that is that Motorola actually, in a, in a way to push back against, the, I guess, the industry narrative on it being a plastic build was to say well it does have a metal frame inside and well, yes motorola every phone has a <laughs> all plastic <laughs> phones have a metal frame inside <laughs> now the 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 um the proper term is polycarbonate yes. i'm using air quotes polycarbonate it's not plastic it's polycarbonate because that sounds fancier it does sound fancier and i mean i don't i am i do not have um much of a if 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 any bias against plastic or or polycarbonate if you will 
um, being, used, agree. being used in a phone, it really is just, it's all about the way that it is applied, right? So yeah. I was a yeah. huge fan of, of what Nokia did with its series of uh, Windows phone devices, like the... Mm-hmm. 920 the Lumia's. Or the, right yeah exactly the Lumia's right that that like yeah. matte finish and just the fact that they felt like they were built like a tank mm-hmm. and that's not to say the Motorola doesn't feel um well made it definitely does there is no like creek flex any of that kind of stuff with this phone it does feel really light uh going back to what I said earlier but I, I think plastic has a lot to do with it it does try to ape the finish of a glass back phone on the back. It's that, like, what every, I guess, Chinese phone has right now where the, the shifting colors on the back. And it's not an unattractive phone. I mean, I'll hold it up here yeah. in the camera. Great uh, audio, I know, by the Great way. Great audio co- content. But, there, you yeah. know, it's 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 also, as you can imagine, a fingerprint magnet. Sure. So, so from that perspective, that I mean, it's it's about what you'd expect. It, it doesn't feel... Uh, cheap or inexpensive but it doesn't feel expensive either it feels like about where it's priced uh in in in, in the right now in the 499 range it does not feel like a 700 dollars phone i will say that all right and that's okay. why i was saying i'm gonna i'm going to like view this all through the lens of that supposed price that it's going to be selling for because i'm sorry here's the thing that also makes me um angry is that about it it has (laughs) an lcd panel right but there Mm. there is a phone that's sold in europe for 500 euros that is basically the same phone same internals same size of screen and we'll get into the screen and all of the specs same um as an option amount of storage but it's sold for 500 euros and it has an oled display Instead mm. of what this phone ships with, which which is a good LCD display, but still an LCD display. And when right. you actually look at the phone or that or compare the two as far as photos, the uh, I believe it's the Edge Twenty in Europe. It has an AMOLED screen that goes all the way to the edges of the device. Hence the name. It used to be the okay. Edge stood for. You know, the fact that it had the, much like what Samsung has been doing with their phones for quite a while. The waterfall. The waterfall display off the edges. But it was even more pronounced with last year's Edge, uh, which Mm. I also bought. Surprise, surprise. Um, (laughs) Whereas this this display across the board, whether it's the European models or um, this American exclusive or North American market exclusive, model is is flat which actually i'm i'm fine with i I actually like that i like having i think that's where a lot of the industry trend i prefer is it. back to right yeah um but so that so then this north american model has a flat display with a giant chin which is i, I think is necessitated by by the fact that it has an lcd panel that they can't fold under like you can with uh the and the, the amoled uh, display yeah. so it can't go to the edge but it yeah. is still a really big chin um yeah so if you can tell there are some things about this phone that i i just i i think are compromises that i don't understand more why they were made except for the fact that this phone um has a huge amount of band support and also includes support for millimeter wave 
And so, you know, my two thoughts are, well, does this have something to do with chip shortages or is it because of the extra cost that goes into um, putting millimeter wave into the phone? Um, Or do they just want more margin? I don't know. Because not only did they, you know, put an LCD screen on it, but it cost 200 equivalent dollars more than the European model without the AMOLED display. So it, it just goes... Back to why I feel like this phone has made a series of compromises compro- uh, when compared to the European model that yeah, make me struggle with how I feel about this this phone and I and I you know I, sh- yeah. I probably should just take it on on its own merits, but I can't help but look overseas and go, well, you could have done that, but let's talk about maybe. <laughs> Maybe some of the things that they have they have done really well. Some of the great things about this phone. Number one, yes, it's an LCD panel, but it has a uh, up to 144 hertz refresh rate. Yeah, which, I was noticing that. Yeah, and it does support HDR10 too. Which, if you're watching something that actually supports it, which I think Netflix does, it does look really good. Um, yeah. So yeah, that I've actually got it set on. It comes it comes set. Uh, as far as the refresh rate, uh, it defaults to the 60 hertz up to 120 adaptive refresh rate, but you can force it to 144 hertz. And it actually says in the settings may cause battery life to be less or something to that effect, which is kind of funny. Will kill battery right. is what I should say. So I've yeah. just left it on the adaptive because honestly, I mean, I I know you, you've you claimed you can't even really tell the difference with 120 hertz I versus can. 60. But uh, yeah, and I don't... I doubt i could tell the difference between 144 hertz and 120 uh but you know what though there's somebody out there who claims they can i won't believe them but they'll they'll claim that they can so yes that's very true um so 256 gigabytes of storage uh which is pretty pretty good which is very awesome yes yeah eight gigabytes of ram which which i think is really the sweet spot for um for most android devices i think you know when you're talking about price versus performance ratio but yeah, yeah lots of internal storage um one of the signatures with this phone is is the high resolution of the main camera the 108 okay. megapixels and f or 1.9 um so that's pretty good that's a pretty bright um lens and then the sensor because i believe it's i think it's quad bend down to, I guess that would be, what, 16 megapixels as far as the output? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe? I, <laughs> I forget. Yeah. I forget. I'm, I'm not a camera nerd, so I couldn't tell you. But it has a triple camera set. Um, it's really funny uh, because it goes, you know, we talk about sticker cameras, right? And yeah. I expect sticker cameras on a phone that costs two to three, maybe even $400. But the fact that this has, well, it does have a wide angle camera um the ultra wide with eight megapixels which is which is okay but then mm-hmm. it has a two megapixel depth sensor so i, I honestly I, I think the even calling it a triple camera display is ridiculous you only are doing that because you can it's disingenuous it is yeah. so disingenuous <laughs> and so that i just i really feel like the it's so funny to me that it has a 108 megapixel sensor as its main one and then it goes eight <laughs> No well, then I, then it also, the video tops out at 4K at 30 frames per second, right. which is like even the Pixel 5a can do 4K at, 
at 60 frames per second, it can only do it for about 16 seconds at a time, but it can still do or it. Or it just overheats different... before that even happens. Yeah, yeah, that's a different conversation for another <laughs> podcast, but still. Um, uh, but yeah, so yeah, just doing some quick math, I want to say that 108 megapixels, I think that bins down to 27 megapixels. Okay. Because wouldn't that 27 times 4, wouldn't that be 108? I think so. I don't know. Yes. Math is hard. Yes. But it's definitely not yeah, my just, definitely not my forte as it but, were. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So uh yeah, I think we covered most of the stuff, like the you know, the the numbers. Right. Um, you know, wh- one thing I was gonna say with the camera says it does have a thirty two megapixel uh front shooting front shooter. Oh um, selfie cam. Right. Okay. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. and if you look at the picture you'll see it does have the the <laughs> if it were a if it were a um, a TCL phone, it would be called a Dodge, but I, in this case, it's just a hole punch camera. A notch, <laughs> right. or a hole punch. Okay. Uh, it has so. a uh, something that I'm seeing um, to be more common in phones, and that's a side uh, mounted fingerprint reader. Yeah, that's always hard to get, man. I, you know, you move the fingerprint sensor around so much, and you know, especially with people like us who switch phones right. so frequently, your muscle memory like, is destroyed. It just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I'll, 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 I'll spend weeks after I move from a side-mounted fingerprint sensor to like keep looking for it yes. on the side of the phone In- because it just makes so much sense. But at the same time, yeah, it's nobody, barely anybody does it. So, so there are two things I will say: the the button placement. Um, the the volume rocker and and the fingerprint reader slash power button are on the left side, which is probably the most common unless you're Samsung or Apple. The left side. Or oh, on the, wait. So wait. I'm the, sorry. On the, the on the right side. If you're looking at it. Yeah. Was, okay. Okay. Yeah. Are they in the right order? Uh, volume and power. Yes. It's it's volume then power. It's so powers powers on volume top. is is on the top and then power below it. Okay, so yeah, power volume from top to volume. bottom. Okay, volume. that is the correct order. That is the correct order which, as, as, as far as the way I see it as well. Yeah, and yeah. and the power button is a little recessed, which is nice, uh, okay, so that well. it helps you find it a little bit. However, that is necessitated by the fact that they are really high up on the phone, and this is a big phone. So mm. it, in, unless yeah. you have gigantic like uh, basketball player hands, this is not the easiest phone handling wise and finding those buttons. Gotcha. And then going back to the fingerprint reader, here's, you know, going talking about last year's Moto Edge, which was an AMOLED display, by the way, uh, had an under display. And I'm not talking about the Moto Edge Plus. I'm talking about the one that was in the equivalent uh, pricing. The and, mid-range and, one. Right, exactly, bought, which yeah. is also this phone's namesake. Um, had an under display fingerprint reader. So AMOLED and under display fingerprint reader. Now, I get that you can't mm-hmm. do that with, uh, have an under display fingerprint reader with an LCD display. With LCD, yeah. But those are the compromises that you that they've made while still, you know, if they brought the price down, sure, okay, then I find yeah. that more acceptable. But they haven't because the Moto Edge but, from last year also was launched with that like six ninety nine price, and at points was actually shipped was was selling for as low as like three ninety nine. So yeah, I, yeah it kind of makes you your your hands instinctively curl. <laughs> like as if you want to choke somebody, yes, just... you know. <laughs> like, why did you do this? But yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. So we've spent we've spent a lot spent of time, a time on the on hardware. hardware. I want right. to, yeah. I want to go ahead and transition over to the software because that's going to be a high point for Motorola. So let's uh, let's let's <laughs> yep. flip a, flip the switch mm. over to there. 
So this is my second phone that I've actually used with with uh, Android 11. Motorola's take on Android 11, and um, I just I, I actually just uh, let one of my friends um, take into their possession uh, the last year's Moto Edge, and he's an Apple guy and has had Android phones in the past. But uh, you know what I was telling him is it's it's you're gonna like this this software because it's so clean yeah. because it's so the lack of cruft in comparison especially to uh, because this was an un- un- unlocked phone you don't get all of the the carrier uh, uh yeah. bloatware that's on there right so but that it's also Motorola's build of Android and has been since Google owned them which is to say it's it's pretty close to quote unquote stock Android I actually think it's closer mm-hmm. to stock Android than uh, the pixel launcher and <laughs> That's ironic. Yeah, isn't it? Though? Well, <laughs> I, what I mean by stock Android is AOSP, right? Or um, yeah. So the 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 open source, what you get if you just <laughs> build it yourself, uh, as from, you know, from, the, from yeah. the software. Um, and Motorola's inclusions of uh, their choices with the software are are generally quite useful and smart. So they you still have the same stuff that you've had since. The, the original Moto X, the the chop chop for the for the flashlight, I think that was included, and the the twisty twist, like you're opening a, a door handle to launch the camera, and those right. are oh they're just so handy. And when I show they that are. to people with this phone or last year's Moto Edge, they're like, why why don't all phones have something like this? Because it just right. makes so much sense. It does. And I was I was actually going because I, the Motorola has added more but you know honestly and it's i think to me motorola software is kind of like that comfy pair of shoes i have been using it for so long and i know that (laughs) you know that i kind of just i remember the chop chop and i remember the 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 twisty twists (laughs) for for those shortcuts and i I know that are there any other shortcuts that have been built into the software i'm legitimately asking this question i don't know the answer to it so i wasn't sure if motorola had i think they've they've actually added some more like i know it's got uh with the fingerprint reader slash power button i believe there's a a double tap to launch uh something that motorola has added to the edge line i don't think it's available with the non-edge line phones and that's the a shortcut uh, launcher sort of thing, much like what Samsung does with uh, the uh, Edge, or I'm sorry, the um, the Note series. And they had, they actually did have an Edge phone at some point, didn't they? It was the Note Edge. But anyway, yeah, Note Edge. <laughs> but I yeah. digress. Or I, and I think it's actually in the F, the S series as well. But that that appears on that right side, and you can kind of flip through with uh, uh, shortcuts. I think oh, TCL I actually does saying. that as yeah, well. Yeah, so you yeah. could. Double yeah, clap, TCL, double tap, yeah. and that will appear. I actually have it turned off. I I just, I think I just forget yeah, I tur- that it's there. I turned that off on the TCL twenty Pro too. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm sure that if you, it was like your first Android phone, and you, that was your first experience. You might go, oh, I, I, I find that really useful. But for me, and I, and I do have to wonder about you know us for us as people who are like longtime Android phone users, how much stuff do we? Do we miss out on just because we're like, ah, I don't need that? 
Well, yeah, I mean, well, and that's actually a, a good point. Like, you know, I move from, you know, we both move from phone to phone right. so often. Exactly. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I have all of my stuff like organized exactly where I need it to be. And, yes. and like, you know, I'll spend the first, and I heard, uh, I heard, um, Michael Fisher talking about this on the Geared Up podcast, uh, recently. You know, I'll spend, the, I'll spend the first 90 minutes with the phone just setting it up. You know, like putting everything in folders where I need them and putting the folders where they need to be and and stuff like that. So, like, um, you know, I'll often not use shortcuts like that because, like, I already know where all my stuff Correct. is. So maybe I wonder if that's maybe like handicapping our 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 um, demeanor as a reviewer. Like, oh, I already know how to do all this stuff. I don't need your fancy schmancy shortcuts. Like, I will always try to mention them during the review. So so it's good that we brought this up. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, I won't probably I if I'm being honest with myself, I won't use it enough to have a real solid opinion on it either way. Like this is useless or this is good or you know that, what well, that's exactly so. my point. And and yeah the point that you were making was, was what I was also in congruence with what I was thinking was just how much, how many things, especially not so much with a Motorola phone, but, uh, but with a phone that has so much stuff built into the OS in terms yeah. of features like a Samsung device, so much stuff that has been included or for a like one plus or one plus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I, if you were actually talking one plus, they've actually taken, and I, I don't want to say just from one plus, but, um, one thing you're noticing with, with Android devices lately is that theming has become mm -hmm. something that's built into, uh, and there, these different builds of Android a little bit more and, and Motorola is no exception that they offer ways to change the shape of icons I mean, they're their presets, but it is a way to, yeah. if you, if you like the, the, the idea of stock Android, but you want to add a little more personality to your device without having to put a custom launcher on there, it does offer some of those well and we're right on the on the cusp of material you being rolled yes. out to pixel phones so i mean obviously that's theming is going to become a big part of the android conversation in the not too distant future uh, i will tell you so, having used the betas of android 12 and material you theming is mostly really cool sometimes it does some questionable things but i will say i think it's actually <laughs> gotten better as the um the newer betas have uh, yeah. been released so it, it, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about the software and I think yeah. that's actually a good thing because it, it really doesn't stray too far from what Motorola has done in the past they just they continue to um, bake I think what is one of the like top three versions of Android that you can get on a smartphone yeah and, and, and the way you put it it's like a comfortable pair of shoes it is you know you slip into them and you're like oh I remember why I keep these around. Exactly. And, and <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, you know, you, you talked about me having no self-control and going and buying a lot of phones. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed And I think you, if you think back, I actually talked a lot about how much I liked the Moto Edge last year. Oh, yeah. And and so, you know, when this one was launched, I, I honestly wasn't even expecting it, I guess, because, you know, when the, they first launched the... European versions of this phone, which does have like a pro version and then the mid range. And then there's a mm -hmm. edge 20 fusion, which is, I think like one step below that, that is in India and South Asian markets. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I was like, I, I at least want to try it out because I really enjoyed the edge last year. 
Yeah, but let's. So all right, let's um, let's before we get uh, too far, right? Too before we get too long here, let's let's get into the camera because you know that's one of my top features that I need to have in a phone. So, um, you've got a kid running around making all sorts of racket and noise, and you're you know you live in a fairly scenic area of Virginia. So how's how's the camera treating you on that on that mode? And it is something that Motorola talks up a lot. Uh, in in uh, on the site when you go to view it, it's like oh the 108 megapixel camera really you know uh, quad binning bright you know bright great and great and low light yeah no <laughs> look at all these, look at all these megapixels, megapixels. so in theory this should be this should be <laughs> a a good camera if not a great camera I mean I Motorola is not exactly famous for for having great cameras so it's not like I had super high expectations i mean i i you know i i thought the motorola edge last year was was pretty good in in low in 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 normal to yeah. good light and i would say it's about the same for this one in fact uh i've got and i think you'd say this about a lot of phones right that it, let's just say first of all it's 108 megapixels but it does not have optical image stabilization you can get because of course it doesn't right <laughs> the, the OnePlus nord which costs 200 dollars less than this phone Last year had optical image stabilization. It's ridiculous that it doesn't have it. And, yeah. you know, sometimes if electronic image stabilization can make up for some of that. And I've got some some really nice pictures out of, out of the main camera. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's really bad at... Um, keeping things in focus really bad as you, as most phones are that don't have optical image stabilization in dealing with moving subjects in less than perfect light and, and focusing even on a fixed uh, place in low light. And, and so just like pretty much every other camera that, that, that doesn't have OIS, this suffers in the Mm. same way. So I would say, you know, um, the easy way to talk about this phone is, I mean, as long as your expectations aren't, you know, super high. expectations. Exactly. (laughs) And, and especially in, in, um, for the the stuff that was not non-moving subjects, like if you like to do architectural photography, you know, or, or, uh, you know, you, you're going to the beach. Landscapes. Landscapes. Exactly. It's It's really good at that. Um, and right. and I even got some interior shots. It's uh, it's always interesting to see what um, like this the what the particular manufacturer chooses to focus on in terms of how they process stuff in the background. And honestly, mm-hmm. I can just say that any any pretty much any manufacturer that doesn't have uh, artificial intelligence to fall back on for the processing, um, is just going to suffer in comparison to a phone like App Apple's or Google's. Samsung or Samsung, although yeah, Samsung yeah. doesn't have quite that same level of of AI to fall back on. They just have pretty, you know, ten years of of making pretty decent cameras and and, and optical yeah. expertise, which Motorola traditionally is just not very good at. Now, I will say one thing that they they have improved on is portrait mode, and specifically in my experience, okay. at least the the choice i don't want to say the choices that they're making but the the it's really good at picking out the silhouette of a person um okay against so that that two megapixel depth it is working maybe yes. maybe doing its job well, okay and, and even yeah, on the, sticker cam that thomas <laughs> <laughs> but even even on the front-facing camera 
Um, so it's definitely on more yeah. on the software side, I think. I was pretty impressed. Oh, okay. okay. And you know how sometimes you'll get the, I, because I do use Google Photos, it'll come up like a day or two after you've taken the pictures, right? And, and mm-hmm. it'll say, hey, I've made this color pop, or I made, and it, it uh, took one of the ones I, the pictures I took with the, the front facing camera, and, uh, well, it was just like perfectly silhouetted. Um, mm. And it was a portrait mode picture, so some of that is is, is obviously on Google's side. But no, I yeah. I think it's actually taking you know, the, but it's the it's working with the image that was in there from the camera. So yeah, I mean, there, like I said, I did get a, a few impressive pictures out of it. I but again, I I just come back to the fact that this is not something, especially if you have kids um, who are running around in a in a house that doesn't have like eight thousand skylights in it, meaning a really well lit house. You're right. not going to get the best pictures of it, and, and within the same price range, you're probably better going with something like a Pixel or maybe like the the Galaxy um, A52 or 72, or obviously mm, an okay. iPhone, like a mid-range iPhone. I, I think you're going to get better pictures for that. So, Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about, uh, did you get a chance to shoot any video at all? I any, did. Like, uh, uh, okay. So the thing I always think about with video, I, I don't really, I don't worry about the the high frame rates. I I, I tend to think I, I tend to use my camera. I think in the way most people do, which is just that the fire and forget the fault. Exactly yeah. right. And the the thing I do pay attention to with other reviews is how good the stabilization is. Do you get that sort of mm-hmm. bounce from the the natural like up yeah. and down that a person does when they're walking? This is kind of in the middle. Okay. Um, I, what I what I was more frustrated with with like the stabilization was was okay for being electronic image stabilization, but at least with the macro mode, uh, or or just the, it just with the camera in general, it has focusing issues. I was taking some uh, video of bees on these flowers that are on my way out from work. And I don't know what yeah. flowers these were, but it's on a bush and it's attracting everything. It ha- I had yellow jackets. I had bumblebees. I had <laughs> carpenter bees. There were ants. It was just a smorgasbord of things to use your macro camera on. Uh, <laughs> and awesome. it was just, the focus was just wandering. Like I would literally like, I would tap on it, like lock focus here. And it would just go, right. it would it would shift, and I'm stop it. I was literally saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. Was, it. it was it kind of like uh, kind of like getting a four year old child to focus on something. Yes. Like, look over here. Oh, look, that's shiny. No, over <laughs> here. Oh, but that's uh, no over here. And granted, you yeah. know, you know that there, there were all uh, because you know there, there was a slight breeze, and and so the subject material was was shifting and so it maybe yeah it's just yeah. not again it's not the smartest um software in the world and it's not good at locking focus and and so and and the contrast actually but I, mean, I, I it's something that you could definitely fix in in post-processing in post okay. but you know not not great cool. at video but not terrible it's yeah. again all right in, so in line with expectations for a 400 to 500 dollar Phone, not for what they're asking for again at this being six ninety nine, because you're talking gotcha. like the in you know you can get an S twenty one, the entry level or or like an S twenty FE or yeah for and and they're much better at video and mm-hmm. and photos so take that for what it is. 
Yeah. Um, all right. So just uh, we're we're kind of running out of time here. So I just want to hit a couple of a uh, couple more points here that I don't think we covered in the uh, in the primary. Now, so the 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 platform, the SOC on there is the Snapdragon 778G. How has that performance been for you? Like day-to-day tasks, I don't know if you do any gaming or anything like that, but like launching apps, a number of apps in memory, stuff like that. Yeah, so this is the Snapdragon 778G. G meaning it is a uh, gaming-optimized processor supposedly it means it's overclocked right anyway. it, right exactly <laughs> six nanometer process which is which is not bad and the gpu yeah. being uh the adreno 642 which i i believe is is definitely better than than last year with the 765 which is what the edge of last year shipped with and mm-hmm. as far as the chipset is concerned uh it does support millimeter wave which is great with the with the, with that yeah. modem set um yeah, yeah. very fast um, in day-to-day kind of stuff, I honestly don't notice much, if any, of a difference uh, between it and like an 865 or an 888. Uh, okay. Just the day-to-day kind of stuff. It is definitely efficient. I guess that has in, is in part due to the six nanometer process of the production of the uh, of the chipset. Because while it's not the four nanometer, which is the the smallest I think available for mobile chipsets right now from uh, MediaTek. It is still uh, pretty, pretty darn good. And so uh, that combined with the, the, the 5,000 milliamp battery means, yeah, I mean, definitely all day battery plus. And, and, and I'm sure with just light, that was my next question was about the battery, light, light to moderate (laughs) use definitely can get two days out of this phone. In fact, I actually forgot to charge my phone, um, not last night, but the night before. And I still made it home to uh, after work with like 24% battery left. So that's that's pretty pretty good. good. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I, I don't notice a difference. I'm sure I would, if I was doing some hardcore gaming with, um, you know, like Call of Duty or something between it and like yeah. the 888 and the 865. But just day-to-day stuff, when, when you've got this processor, you've got the 120 hertz uh, display refresh. It, it's an end Motorola's um, cruft-free. It's the second time I've used cruft in this. But, but it, it is. But it, that uh, might have to be well, part of a title. Motorola's, <laughs> Motorola's well-optimized software. Uh, it, it, it just yeah. flies. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a fast phone. Very cool. All right. So any final thoughts that you want to impart to our dear audience before we play the outro music? You probably shouldn't buy this phone. <laughs> All right. That sounds fair. And the reason I say that is, I, I, I'll, I'll take that back. Um, Link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, you probably shouldn't buy this phone. Uh, you, in fact, let me rephrase that. You definitely should not buy this phone at six ninety nine. There are just better options, better value options. Right. Um, right. Especially with... Motorola's um, reputation for that is well deserved of not being the most um, long lived with their software updates. I will say the Edge did get Android 11. I'm not confident it's going to get Android 12, meaning last year's Edge. This does ship with Android 11, and I'm sure it will get 12. Beyond that, it may just be security updates. Now, they're saying two feature levels, but even if that's the case, that may be like, you know three years down the road it'll be like android 14 and it gets android 12 because that's just how motorola rolls so so i think at 500 dollars, it's a much better value and uh it is definitely competitive in that arena 
if your if your preferences uh, or or your the thing that's most important to you is the camera, this is probably not the phone for you. But if you just want an all around um, you know well performing device that offers in in terms of performance um, and the, the the delightful I would call I would call it stuff that that Motorola adds to their software, then then this is a good phone for you. Like again, if the camera is what you're looking for, probably not the best. So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to not thank Motorola for not sending us a review device of the Moto Edge 2021 for review, but I would like to thank Cliff's lack of impulse control for procuring a review unit. I'd also like to thank Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes, but most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.